Welcome to the teaching ministry of Walt East, lead chaplain at Sky Valley Chapel. We hope this teaching will serve as a practical guide for your daily walk as a Christ follower. We encourage you to follow along with your Bible and life notes, which can be found in the podcast show notes or on our website at svmin.com. This is a re-recording of Sunday's message as there was too much wind noise during the actual service. We hope this uh, meets your needs and that you enjoy it. We're continuing our series that we've been in now for six weeks as we study the first portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He begins this sermon with what are known as the, the Beatitudes. Eight statements, eight powerful declarations, all beginning with the same word, the word blessed. If you study this word, you will find that it is a word that describes someone who is wholly and deeply satisfied. Somebody who is truly content, fulfilled. Does that describe you? Jesus is describing somebody with unshakable faith, inner peace, and a joy that abides no matter what. And what Jesus is saying is, do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be like me? Do you want to have joy in your heart and in your home no matter what your circumstance? If so, pay attention to my words. But if you want what the rest of the world is feeding off of today, if you want more bitterness in your heart and in your home, more anger and hatred, greed, selfishness, if you want that, then do what everybody else is doing. Just keep going the way that you naturally will go. Be like everybody else. Jesus says, though, I've called you not to that, but to this. If you want this, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be like me, then embrace these Beatitudes. Jesus is saying these Beatitudes will teach you how to be like Him, how to be blessed like Jesus. Why do we make such a big deal about Jesus? Why do we always point to Jesus? Well, it's because the Scripture says of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning. The same three words that the Bible starts with in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And he continues in verse 9, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, or or the the word there that's used uh, could also be translated power. He gave the right, he gave the power to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Do you think the world needs more grace, more truth? Not one or the other, but but both. 
John continues in verse 18. He says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. No one has seen God, but the one and only Son, Jesus, who himself is God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Why do we make such a big deal about Jesus? Because this is it. What the world needs is not another politician. What the world needs is not another program. The world needs Jesus. Now in each of these Beatitudes, Jesus makes a statement beginning with blessed, and each one is associated with a promise. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit, not heaven someday, but the earth here and now. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, again, not just in heaven, but here and now. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We've looked at those over the past five weeks, and now we come to the next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Have you seen him? Do you see God? According to Jesus, the pure in heart will see God. Not may see God someday, one day. According to Jesus, the pure in heart will see God. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Why? Because everything you and I do flows from our heart. So guard your heart above all else, because everything flows from your heart. The New Living Translation says it like this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man or woman unclean. That's why when people say some of the best advice we can give you is to follow your heart, I believe Jesus would say no. You see, Jesus never told us to pick up our cross and follow our hearts. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart, my heart, is deceitful above all things, not some things, but all things and beyond. And yet Jesus is saying the pure in heart will see God. Think about how obsessed we are with with purity, with, with cleanliness. We're for clean everything. We want clean air, clean water, clean energy, clean meat, free of steroids and antibiotics. We seek out non-GMO, clean foods, pure, unadulterated everything. And yet there tends to be one thing that we often overlook. It's not the hotel rooms we stay in. Nobody wants to stay in a dirty hotel room. It's not the restaurants we love to frequent. Nobody wants to eat at a restaurant that even looks just a little bit dirty. 
The one thing we tend to neglect and overlook is the cleanliness of our own hearts. When you look at the word that Jesus is using, this word pure, translated from the Greek, which is a far richer language than English, you start to get a better sense of what Jesus is describing when he's talking about what it means to be pure in heart. Pure translates the Greek word katharos. It's where we get the English word catharsis or cathartic. Medical doctors will use a cathartic to cleanse the body. Catharsis is a psychological term that that describes an emotional release that results in renewal and restoration. What Jesus is describing is, is one who has been cleaned, cleansed from the inside out, and there has now been an emotional release because I, I'm now free from a guilty conscience. I'm free from that which has been defiling me from the inside. I've been cleansed, and now I'm free and whole. To be pure in heart means that I have a clean and clear conscience. My sin has been washed away. My guilt has been cleansed. There's been an emotional release of freedom that comes from knowing my sins have been forgiven. My guilt has been washed, and there's no more hiding my sin. There's no more sin holding on to me, for there's no more guilt. I'm free and clear, clean. Now, if you describe, if this describes you each and every day, you need no further explanation. If that might not describe you, well, let's look at some biblical steps to a clean and clear conscience. Number one, it starts with an acknowledgement of sin. You see, I can't confess what I refuse to acknowledge. I can't confess what I conceal. I can't confess what I don't even know or admit. It starts with the acknowledgement of sin, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I know for certain that I am one of all. I've sinned. You've sinned. We all sin. Consider King David in Psalm 51. He's committed adultery with a woman he's not married to. She's married. She, he gets her pregnant, and to cover his own sin, he has her husband killed. Uriah, one of his one of his bodyguard, one of his closest warriors that works for him. And this sin is eating David alive. There is no clean and clear conscience. He's living under the weight of the guilt of his sin. It's weighing on him. He knows that he sinned against God, and he says in Psalm 51, beginning at verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And then some key words. For I know, in verse 3, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Folks, we're living in a world today that not only embraces sin, but in many ways completely disregards sin. There's many in this world today that choose not to see sin as sin, that basically have an attitude of, well, Whatever you feel like doing, go ahead and do it. You know, whatever your truth is, is okay. And, and, and there's nothing, there's no absolutes as far as right and wrong are concerned. So they don't see sin or they don't even acknowledge it. Remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25, where God repeats twice within a couple chapters in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. King David says, I'm aware of my sin. It is always before me. My heart breaks because I've broken the heart of God. It begins with an awareness, not only that I've sinned, but my sin breaks God's heart. Next, I mourn my sin. My heart breaks because I know that God's heart breaks. 
I mourn the sin in the world around me, the destruction that sin has and is causing in the world around me. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn their sin and the sin of the world. Then we confess our sin. After we've acknowledged our sin and mourned our sin, we confess it. It's what David does. He acknowledges, he mourns, he confesses. He's not trying to hide it. He's not trying to cover up it. He's not trying to make excuses. And then he repents. Now, what's the difference between confession and repentance? Well, confession is, I know what it is. This is what it looks like. This is what I've done. This is what I've thought. This is what I've said. I need free from this. I need help from this. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Repentance means, and I'm not going back. I'm here now. I feel the release of the guilt that's been upon me as you've forgiven me. But I don't want this guilt this guilt-free feeling to be short-lived. I want the guilt-free life to be long-lasting. I'm not coming to your presence, Lord, just to confess something, to be forgiven of it, so that I, go, I can go right back to that something and have to come back to you over and over again for forgiveness. Repentance means I'm changing my mind. I'm doing an about-face. I'm turning from my sin. I'm not going to go back to the life I was living. I want to learn to walk in freedom every single day with you and step with you according to your word and your will and your way. And so David continues in verse 10. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, every newest steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David is saying, I don't want to go down that road anymore. Lord, would you create in me a pure heart? Oh God, would you renew a steadfast spirit within me? Because I know if my spirit's not steadfast, this moment's not going to last, and I'm going to go right back to it. I need a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. Would you restore to me the joy of your salvation, and would you grant me a willing spirit, one that desires to walk with you, and has the strength to step with you, and live for you all the days of my life? You know what happens when we pray a prayer like that? What happens is God forgives us. We're forgiven of our sin. Because when we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. And He will forgive us our sin, and He will purify us. He will cleanse us, not just of some, but from all of our unrighteousness, all of the unrighteousness in our lives. God wants to cleanse you and me from the inside out. But what do we tend to do? We like to focus not on the inside out, but we like to focus on the outside in life. Jesus had a conversation with some religious leaders who spent all day, every day, focused on the outside in life. And if you've ever wondered what we can do to really irritate the Lord, here's one thing that I believe gets the Lord really annoyed. It's when you and I try to look the part, we try to play act, when we live from the outside in instead of from the inside out. Listen to what he said to the religious leaders in Matthew 23. Jesus walks into the church and he's like, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy 
and wickedness. Jesus saved his harshest criticism. Not for the sinners that the church didn't want to have anything to do with. He saved his sharpest criticism for church people. He said, you clean the outside, but inside you're full of greed and and self-indulgence. You're blind. In other words, I see you. I see what other people don't see. I see how you run the tables when it comes to your religious traditions and your outward appearances. But you've completely neglected your heart. And that's why you're blind. You're living from the outside in and not from the inside out. Only the pure in heart will see God. You're corrupt inside. You're not clean. Inside you're greedy. You're self-centered. You're, you're prideful. You're arrogant. First clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will be clean also. Woe to you, teachers of the law. You're hypocrites. You're, You're like whitewashed tombs, all pretty on the outside, but inside you're decaying. You're full of dead men's bones and and unclean things of filth. Wow, sounds like Jesus isn't pleased with them, you think? In other words, God's not fooled by how well we carry ourselves on the outside. Because the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So it doesn't matter the the outside we put on, the appearance we put on, the mask we wear, the clothes we wear. God sees through all of them. Proverbs 10 verse 9 says this. It says, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Whoever walks in integrity, which, which means you're honest, you're whole, You're the same person on the inside as people see on the outside. You have nothing to hide. You walk securely. You walk sincerely. You walk with confidence because you're not afraid of anybody finding out anything about you. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Now you may be hearing me and, and you don't have a clean and clear conscience. Maybe the reason you're not living with a clean and clear conscience is because you're, you're living every day wondering if today is the day that you're about to be found out. There's some things on the inside that, you, that you've not confessed to God. There's some things on the inside that nobody else knows about. I can only give you one prescription for the fear that you're living with and for the lack of peace that's in your heart. The only remedy that I can give you is to bring that thing to the light. Let the Lord deal with it. Let Him heal you and let Him walk with you step by step through the healing process. It might mean some conversations within your marriage. It might mean some conversations in your family. It might mean some conversations with a neighbor, or with a friend, or, or even someone that you don't consider a friend. You will never be so lonely as, as the secrets you keep. And God won't heal what I continue to conceal. That thing needs to come to the surface Because if you don't bring it to the surface, it will at some point come to the surface. So you can choose to bring it to the surface or or just wait until the day when it makes its way out. One way or another, it will make its way. But here's what you need to realize about the Lord. He's gracious. He's patient. He loves you. He gave his life to free you from the sin that keeps you in bondage. Pure in heart means a conscience that is clean and clear. The second thing, pure in heart, also means my spiritual eyes are opened. You want to know why so many people in today's world are are fearful, worried, anxious? It's because when they look around, all they see is the craziness and the chaos in the world. 
all the injustice and the sickness and the disease and the heartbreak and the heartaches. And, and how disheartening if that's all that you see. And, and, and I'm, I'm not just talking to unbelievers here. I'm also talking to Christians because there's Christians that choose to focus on these things and they don't look at the good things. They don't look at God and they don't see God. It's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 wrote these words. He said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In your notes there, circle that word hope in chapter 1, verse 18 of Ephesians. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. If your spiritual eyes are open, when you look at the world, it's not all destruction and chaos and COVID-19 and bitterness and anger and hatred and rage and racism and injustice and division. I know you're going to see that, but if that's all you see, you're not looking at the big picture, the picture that God has given you eyes to see. We can all find some reason to be down. We can all find some reason to complain. There's plenty to complain about. There's plenty to be fearful or to worry about. But I know that God is good and that God is good all the time. That God is good even in a COVID-19 world. That God is good even in a contentious election cycle. That God is good and he's good all the time. As Pastor Ray Jeffress reminded us this past week, human governments and rulers change at God's direction and design. Our faith and our salvation lie not in any human ruler, but in the ruler of rulers, the king of kings. We have to remember that even though the occupant of the White House may be changing, the one who occupies the throne of heaven hasn't changed. Do you see God? Can you see the goodness of God in the world around us? Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Astronaut John Glenn was the first man to orbit the Earth, circling it three times in 1962. Thirty-six years later, at the age of 77, he was the oldest person to go into space. From his window on November 5, 1998, Glenn observed the heavens and the Earth, and he made this statement. He said, to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God is to me impossible. It just strengthens my faith. I wish there were words to describe what it's like, he said. When we're saved, our spiritual eyes are opened. We see God in creation. We see God in the day-to-day. We see God in the midst of pandemic. We see God in those who put love uh, uh, to the forefront and they willingly put themselves in harm's way to, to treat the sick. We see God in teachers and staff who set aside their own personal fears to, to teach our young people. We see God in the men and women in blue who kiss their loved ones goodbye in the morning and go out on the streets to protect and to serve us. We see God in the outpouring of generosity of people willing to stand and meet the needs that they see. We see God in the newness of each day that's given to us, an opportunity to rise up and start again. Romans 8 says this. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now please note it does not say that all things are good. There are bad things. But what it says that in all things, the good and the bad, God is clearly at work In all things, He is good. I see God in the affairs of man. 
Do you see him? Have your spiritual eyes been opened? Do you see God at work in the world today? Or is all you see chaos and division and pain and suffering and sickness? I see God at work in the midst of this pandemic. I see God at work even in the midst of this most polarizing of elections. I see God. Can you say to God, thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for giving me peace and hope. I can see. If that doesn't describe you and you want to know more about what it means to have a pure heart, to have a personal relationship with God, I'd love to sit down and talk with you sometime. But the question I leave with you to ponder this week is, can you see God? Amen. joining us for this message. For more information on Chapel Mall and the ministry of Sky Valley Chapel, please visit our website at svmin.com. You can support this ministry on our website, Facebook page, or by downloading our app in the Apple or Google Play Store. Have a blessed day.